You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. This is a day where there's a lot for a lot of people, and that's one of the things that we don't ever know when we come in and we see each other and we say hello and we ask how you're doing, and so many say, I'm doing great, I'm doing fine, everything's good, and things aren't always good or fine. And I can tell you right now that in the lives of our faith family and the people in our faith family, there are a lot of us who struggle in our daily walk with the Lord and our daily relationships with our spouses or with our families, with our children, with our parents, in ways that we don't share with other people, in ways that we don't talk much about to others. But today we're going to talk about a little bit of that as we continue on in this part of the scriptures in Ephesians chapter 5. If you're not there, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 25 today. Uh, We're dealing with some family matters, and we're going to see how the gospel changes everything for us. Just like we just finished praying, we'll continue praying ceaselessly for this family, the halls. Just like we know that the Lord has instituted the family and especially marriage to image the gospel, we know that he cares for us and he will carry us through. But part of the problems that we have in our families, even as Christians, even as the church, is that we are slow to speak to others about our needs and to speak to others about our struggles, and therefore we are left often feeling alone, feeling almost abandoned, and as if we are insignificant. But I promise you, brothers and sisters, that not one of you is insignificant. For the one who is worth more than all of this world and all of creation combined has shed his blood on the cross for your soul and for your salvation. And that means you have great significance in the eyes of the Lord. That he would love you so much that he would send you Jesus, knowing what you have done and what you would do, that he loves you that much. And today we're going to talk about how we can lean into that truth as we look at something. And let me tell you, wives, we talked with you last week directly, but we're going to talk to you a little bit more today. But specifically, we're going to talk to the husbands. So let me say a few things to those who are not husbands. So if if you're a young man who's not married yet, you need to listen up and take lots of notes. Hopefully the Lord will give you that blessing one day. If you're a man who doesn't have a wife ever, or at least not now, You need to be praying for the opportunity to help others become the men they need to be for their spouses. And wives and unmarried ladies that are here, young and older, I pray that you would pray for us this morning as we endeavor to see the word and ask God to change our hearts accordingly. So let me pray one more time for that specifically. Father, we need your grace and your mercy and your kindness towards us today that we might become the men that represent Jesus in loving the gift that you've given us in our wives. Lord, help us to live in such a way that you would receive the glory, our wife would be edified and loved, and that your son Jesus would be magnified. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would look with me, Ephesians 5. I'm going to start back in verse 21. This is the transition statement coming into this portion, talking specifically about the family. I'm going to cover the ladies part that we talked about last week. Another reminder, note that it's only three verses for the ladies, and it's nine for us. 
I'm only going to give you guys the first one because it's enough. In fact, I would say to you that when it's in regards to your relationship to your wife, men, or your future wife, this verse should be the one, probably above all, that you commit to memory and that you try to live out every day of your lives. It is enough. The depths are so deep that you will not be able to plumb the depths of the knowledge and the experience and the life change that needs to happen to live out this truth. And so we are going to hang on one verse today. Ephesians 5, 25. Let's go verse 21 and on. Submitting to one another out of reverence or fear for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is himself, it's, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We'll say it again. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I stand before you as a man who's not able to speak to this from great experience and expertise, but one who is a broken person in need of healing by our Savior so that I might try to live this out. So if you would walk with me this morning. I would endeavor for us to peer into the gospel in such a way that we'd be changed. And let us look at it one more time, and let me express a few things about this language. Again, guys, this is the most important thing you can hear today, is that you need to remember some of that, those vows that you made in whatever language you used. And we use it so flippantly to say this phrase, and I'm going to kind of sum up the whole purpose of this, is that you should be able to look at your wife this morning, and as you turn to her, you should be able to say to her, I love you to death. Not her death. <laughs> I love you to death. So I want you to practice right now before we get going any further. Turn to your wife, if she's in the room, and I want you to say to her, I love you to death. And we're going to practice a few more times today. I hope you're ready. Husbands, love your wives. That Greek word for love is the word agapao, which is agape. You've heard of that word. It's not the word phileo, which is talking about family relationships, talking about brotherly kind of love, like where we get the word Philadelphia from. It's also not the word for love in the New Testament that is from eros or erao, which is talking about erotic type love or romance type love. This is the word agapeo, which is coming from the idea, it's a Christian term, that's meaning a love that points to the love we've been given in Jesus. It's a Christian love, greater than just a familial love, greater than just a romantic love, but a sacrificial love that's been demonstrated for us in Jesus. It's exactly what it's saying here. Look again, husbands, it's a command. It's not an if you want to, and there's no dependence on anything else around it. It's saying, husbands, love your wives. It's a command. And I believe the reason this is so hard for us, guys, is because we struggle to love anyone, much less the person we live next to and with. Too often we get in our lives and we become shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder friends and not face-to-face -face lovers in the way that Jesus has made us to be. We need to get back to being face-to-face -face 
We need to get back to the way of loving as Jesus has demonstrated. That's why he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is a sacrificial, substitutionary love. In fact, this whole section, starting in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, is predicated upon this. It's repeated here to point to the husbands about how important this is to be demonstrated in the way we love our wives. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, to the whole church, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Guys, let me tell you a truth. The way that we love our wives reveals what we really believe about the gospel. The way that we love our wives reveals what we really believe about the gospel. This needs to be unpacked in a lot of ways. So I'm just going to unpack it in five major points as we kind of walk through the ideas. There's so many more, but I'm going to unpack it a bit at a time for us. So look at that idea again. All of this is in the context of husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And later on, if you went on down in the scriptures, you'd actually see at the very end, verse 32 of this passage, he says, this mystery, talking about marriage, is profound And he says, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Your relationship with your spouse is meant to point everybody to their hope in Jesus. Every bit of what you do in your life is meant to do that, and marriage is no exception. It's one of the great gifts of God that's meant to point others and one another to our hope in Jesus. Again, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So number one, I think what we have to see that means is that he loved her and gave himself up for her. What does that mean? That Jesus did what? He died. He gave himself up. It means to give himself over to, to die on behalf of. It's a substitutionary sacrifice. To die in the place of, for the sake of those he died for, which would be the church. And in our lives, he's saying we should love our wives in the same way that Jesus gave himself up for his bride, the church. We're to love our bride as Jesus has loved us. That means, first of all, we have to die to self daily. Jesus talks about it all throughout the Gospels. It's recorded many times where he says, you must pick up your cross and follow me. You must die to yourself. That those who try to grab the rest of the world will find they have nothing in the end, but those who die to self are the ones who will gain life eternal in Christ. Brothers, we must love our wives selflessly. It is so easy in our normal way of doing it is to love people selfishly. We see that all the time. I love her, so she'll love me. I do something good for her, she'll do something good for me. It's this quid pro quo that we have, that we live in. It's so easy to slip into that. And you know you have when you've been doing a couple of things for your wife, and then all of a sudden she doesn't do what you expect her to do for you, and you get a little bit mad inside about that. Or you feel a little hurt because of that. But independent of her actions, even when your wife is not loving you well, even when she's not submitting to your leadership, you say, whoa, 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 she's supposed to do that, verses 22 through 24. That's right before this. Yes, that's true. She should be submitting to your leadership. But even when she doesn't do that right or well or at all, 
you are commanded to love your wife ceaselessly, selflessly. Romans 5.8 gives a picture of the gospel in this way. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So your wife really messed up? Welcome to your own club. And the Lord gave Jesus for you. Jesus died for you in light of that, in spite of that. We're to love our wives in the same way. And this can only be accomplished when we live fully dependent upon Jesus. Independent of her actions, but fully dependent upon Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit. Fully. As you know, one of my favorite preachers, Spurgeon, we're going to get a quote for two from him today. He says this, he said, Jesus gave all his life here on earth for us. He did nothing for himself. It was all for us, for his church. His whole life was for her righteousness, for her example, for her teaching, and for her quickening or her salvation. He loved her with no view but the glory of the Father by the salvation of his chosen. He went up to the cross of Calvary, and there he gave his hands and his feet to the nails and his heart to the spear, laying down his body for us. But at the same time, laying down his soul and spirit, he suffered that dread doom of being forsaken of his God so that he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the way we're to love our wives. It is not easy, but it requires our death daily. Multiple times throughout the day. And your walk, my walk with God, your walk with God, gentlemen, or lack thereof, is indicative of the way you will love your wife. Let me say it a different way. The way you love your wife reveals your current walk or relationship with God. Let that sink in for just a second. Think of the last time that you hurt your wife. I don't have to go back very far. Where were you in your relationship with God in that moment? Where were you in your relationship with your Savior who gave everything for you in that moment? And how did that translate into how you've loved your wife? The truth is, we should be like Jesus. And we should turn to our wives every morning. We should look at her, whether we say it out loud or not if she's sleeping, and say, I love you to death because Jesus has loved me. Would you turn to your wife and say, I love you to death? Right now. Ladies, I'm getting them in the habit, okay? You can let me know if they don't keep doing it later. Die to self daily. The second part of this is that you've got to, listen guys, you've got to take the initiative. You've got to take the initiative. Just as Jesus took the initiative for us. Jesus took the initiative in handing himself over to death on our behalf. We weren't over there begging for him to do it. We didn't get over there waving the flag, trying to get him to come this way to save our souls. Jesus took the initiative, stepped out of eternity to become one of us, to live like us, but unlike us, and that he was sinless and perfect. And then going to his death full on, on purpose, so that he could save us and bring us to be his bride. And we are to take the initiative in the same way. Listen, don't be a passive husband. 
Passivity, I believe, has marked our generation in so many ways that we don't even recognize it in our own lives, even though we hear about it often. Let us not be passive, brothers and sisters, in our relationships with our wives. Let us pursue our wives. Let us seek after her. Guys, that means, listen, I know this is hard. I know you're not going to hear this. You've got to talk to your wives. You have to really listen to your wives. I don't mean that you continue scrolling or watching the TV and you're kind of listening to the TV but looking at her. No. Talk to your wife. Listen to your wife. Chase after her. Sometimes when you guys get in an argument and she walks away, she really does want you to come after her. Sometimes she doesn't. And I don't know how to tell you which one it is because I ain't figured it out yet. But it's better to try and get the door than it is to not try at all. Chase after her. Pursue her. Date her. Figure out what it is that gets her excited to be with you. Figure out what it is that makes her want to cook you that meal that you love so much. Figure out what it is, not just for those reasons, figure out what it is that gets her just full of joy and find ways to give her that joy, small and big ways. Chase after her. And then as you're listening and as you're talking, find ways to unite your heart to her. Take the initiative to unite your heart to her. I don't know what it is about us, but we as guys, we have this problem. And ladies, I think you've already figured this out, so I'm going to talk to the rest of us in the room, but you can listen in. I don't know what it is, but we've got this idea that once we've pursued this woman and we get her to say, yes, I will marry you, it's like we're done. <laughs> we figured it out. We got it. And now we can take a kick back and just coast the rest of the way through our life. But guys, you know that's not the way it works. Amen? Because you might have tried it a few times. Got lulled into it a few times. We have to be like Jesus and chasing down our bride continually. Thank you, Lord. Justin sang about it. He never tires of chasing us down in our sin. He never tires of chasing us down when we have wandered wayward. He never tires of calling to us so that we may get face to face with him. He never stops pursuing us because he loves us that much. And we need to love our wives the way Christ has loved us. Not only did Jesus give his thoughts and actions, his wisdom and his power and his wealth to us, but he's given himself to us. And husbands, we need to give ourselves to our wives and be united to her in that way. I mean, he's learning her fears, learning the things that she struggles with, learning her dreams. And then do something crazy that's hard for us as guys to do, but open up our heart to her and let her see the real us who struggles as well, who has issues as well, and let us lean on to the Lord together, uniting our hearts to the heart of the Lord who loves us beyond comparison. This is why you can turn to your wife every day and you can say, I love you to death, and you can add my death to that. Why don't you try it? I love you to death, my death. All right. I'll try to go a little faster. You ready for the speed? 
So you're going to take the initiative. You're going to die to self daily. That's already, that's like enough. <laughs> that's, that's, that's already enough. Listen, you can go back and re-listen this later if you're already filled up, but I want you to try to stay with me. And you can work on the first one, work on the second one. You don't, you don't do one and then the other. You add to it, okay? I just got done putting together some kind of like Lego thing with my uh, child Luke, and uh, it took a lot of pieces. And if you have a few out of the place, it doesn't work right. It's the same with marriage. Okay? You don't do one for a little while and then do another. You've got to do all of them. So we're going to try to build on top of each other. Here's the third one. Serve. You've got to serve your wife like Jesus has served you. Matthew 28, Matthew 20, verse 28, Jesus says this. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You may say, I'm the king of the house. Not in the eyes of Jesus. If you are the king, it doesn't matter. You're the servant of your family. Even within the church, people oftentimes will talk to me when they don't know any better about how the pastor is kind of like the CEO or the king. Okay, and I get the language, I understand it, but I should be on the bottom serving the body. I serve leaders and others in the church, and we in turn all together serve one another so that you can be on the mission with us. That is the way it is to be in the home. It is not to lord over, but to serve. Our king, who is worth more than everything combined in the universe. Our king, who is sovereign, who knows all things. Our king, through him, by him, for him, because of him have all things been created. And for his glory have all things been created. Humbled himself to come and love us and serve us as a servant who would die for us on the cross. This is how we're to love our wives. This is what it means to love our wives as Christ loved the church. So let us treat her gently and with humility, brothers. Ephesians 4. Therefore, Paul says, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Picture of the church. And we're supposed to represent that in our relationships. Just pick any of those four words and dive into that for a month or two. Humility. Gentleness. I don't know about you, but one of my not strong suits, that's kind of a positive way to say it, right? Is gentleness. I'm trying to learn how to be gentle. I have to repent regularly to my wife and my children. Where is your hurt there? Where's your struggle, man? Where do you need to go before the Lord and ask for assistance and help? Where do you need to go before the Lord? And here's how you do it. Ask Him to reveal that trait in His Son, Jesus so that you then will be overwhelmed by the grace and mercy, so that you then can turn to your wife and treat her in that same way. The problem is that we, it's not that we don't know, the problem is that we're not face-to-face with Jesus enough. We're not staring into the gospel enough. So let us treat her gently and with humility. Let's be attentive, guys. Let's be attentive. We are really attentive when it comes to putting together a, a motor, when it comes to putting together some Legos, for me, or when it comes to, to, to doing something we love to do, we're very attentive on our hunting rigmarole we have to get into, making sure that the scent-free stuff is ready to go, making sure our bow or our gun is ready, or whatever it is, that the ammo is right, that everything is clean and perfect, ready to go. When's the last time that we were attentive to our spouses and spent time to be attentive? This means loving that one understanding what their needs are, what their interests are, and doing everything in our power to supply those needs and further those interests. 
to love her with a foot-washing Jesus kind of love. Recognizing something she doesn't even know she needs and loving her in that way like Jesus took care of the disciples. Desiring her good, seeking and promoting her good at the fullest of our power. Man, (laughs) when's the last time we took a moment, a day, a week, just to spend all of our energies when we were able to be with our wives to fully focus on meeting her needs and on loving her and empowering her to do what God's leading her to do. Sacrificing our schedule, our hobbies, personal ambitions, anything else. It means giving ourselves away for the good of our bride. That's the way Jesus has shown us to love. In the middle of all that, Brothers and sisters, we've got to lead her to Jesus. I know a lot of men outside the church who love their wives really well in all the ways we just talked about. But if you're not personally leading your wife to find her hope in Jesus on a regular basis, then you and I are not doing what we're called to do as brothers and sisters in Christ. And this, I would argue, is probably the greatest of all these pieces, is Serving our wives by leading her to Jesus. This is your responsibility. You're to love your wife as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her. And if you're to love her that way, you better be leading her to Jesus. That means praying for her. Talked about it last week, but just in case you missed it or didn't catch it, we should be praying for our wives' spiritual lives for their obligations, for the pressures of their life, for their friendships, for their dreams. That's a lot, I know. It's a lot of things. We spend a lot of time in prayer. The three seconds is not enough. The five seconds at dinner is not enough. We should be spending time in prayer for our wives regularly. We should pray for them daily and passionately. You know why? Because that's how Jesus intercedes for us daily, for us even now. Passionately interceding on our behalf with the Father. We should be modeling that to our wives, for our wives, to the Lord, going to the Lord, praying for them, and praying with them. I've admitted it before, I'll admit it now again, just ad nauseum if you've heard it before, but I struggled in the beginning and most of the early part of our marriage, even praying or reading the Bible with my wife. You know why? It's no surprise to any of you, but she's much smarter than me. She has a master's in Christian education. She knows the Bible. She's been a Christian longer than me. I felt embarrassed that I didn't know as much. I felt stupid sometimes when I would talk about things, and I felt like she knew better than I did. But you know what? That was my pride stopping me from loving my wife like Christ has loved the church. Let us kill our pride so that we can love our bride, brothers. You may say, I don't know anything about the Bible. It's okay. Start coming to a Bible study gathering. Learn a little bit. Just open it up and read somewhere. I will help you. Call me. Text me. Meet with me for a moment. I will help you. But let us start loving our wives by leading them to Jesus. Protecting her. Providing for her. Protecting her heart. Being a substitute sacrifice for her. Standing in the gap as Jesus has stood in the gap for us. Here's a new one, brothers and sisters. Husbands, why don't you say, I love you to death, and then follow it up by saying, please forgive me for failing you. Can you try that? I love you to death. Please forgive me for failing you. Right now.
Hard words, fellas. The truth of it is, if we want to become more like Jesus, we have to recognize that we are so far off the mark that we need the Lord's grace every day. And there is nothing more showing of the grace of the gospel than for you to ask for your wife to forgive you for how you failed her. You want your children to grow up to to love the Lord? Repent to them when you've done wrong in their eyes. Repent to them when you've been harsh. Repent when you've not been the man you need to be. Every night with them, pray and ask that God would make you into a better husband, a better father. Repent specifically for the things that you've done wrong. You will never be perfect. They will never see Jesus in your perfection because you will never be perfect enough. But they can see Jesus in the grace of the gospel as you repent to them. Let us live lives of confession before our wives and children, before our friends. This is how people will trust in Jesus. Wives, pray for us. We need you praying for us to be the men we need to be. That we would be open and real and honest, confessional. There's no one else, guys. There's no one else that God has given you to live in that inner sanctum with you and God. It was you and God alone until you asked that woman to marry you. And now it's you and God and her. So don't hide from her. In the darkness... In the hidden places, that's where the enemy will wreak havoc in your life. Instead, run to the Lord with your wife. You're struggling? Run to the Lord. You're having a hard time? Run, with, run to the Lord and take your wife with you to pray with you and pray for you. Man, you want a woman that loves you and submits to you, if that's in your heart, you take her to the throne of grace and pray for help in your time of need and find her giving you love and mercy like your Savior. It will change your marriage. So be faithful to her. That's number four. Be faithful to her, like Jesus has been faithful to us. He faithfully committed himself to the church. He's always done what he said he would do. He finished the task by dying on the cross in our place. And now he's gone to prepare a place for us, and he's at the right hand of the Father. He is faithfully interceding on our behalf. He has not stepped away from his commitment. He wasn't done on the cross, although he did the work and it was finished. He continually loves you and cares for you because he loves you so much he cannot let you go. So we, like Jesus, need to bear the weight of our wives sin along with our own sin and go to the Lord on her behalf and be faithful even if she's not faithful to you even if she's not faithful to her commitment to you and whatever that might be even if she steps out on you that doesn't give you the place to step away from her for thank the Lord he does not step out on us after we've stepped out on him thank you father that you do not leave us to ourselves when we abandon you and walk away from you But that is not the Father that we know. We know a loving Father who forgives endlessly, who chases us down and takes us back. You want to see how we should be in our marriages, brothers? We should be like Hosea. Go back and read that book, Hosea, and find a God who loves us and pursues us to the end. The Bible talks about how God allowed for divorce because of the hardness of our hearts. If your wife steps out on you, 
That doesn't mean you should leave her. It means you should chase her down and show her the gospel. Your wife would see that grace and hopefully repent and turn back to you. But if not, you chase her down. You show the love that Jesus has shown you and me over and over and over again. And let us be, no matter what she does, a one-woman kind of man. The one-woman kind of man. All right, last week I took a second and I talked to the men. When I was talking to the ladies, remember that? Ladies, remember that? Ladies? Yes, thank you. Now we're going to do a whole flip-flop here, okay? Guys, you need to be a one-woman kind of man. And that means, listen, there's no excuse, no excuse for sexual immorality, whether it be outward or whether it be in the heart. And Jesus says that if you've lusted after another woman, that you've already committed adultery in your heart. There's no excuse for it. It is sin and it is vile and it sent Jesus to the cross. His death, bloody and gruesome and horrific and all the weight of wrath that you and I deserve for those sins and for all of our sins placed upon the Savior's shoulders. It is not okay. It is not excusable. But let me say something real quick to us. I'm just from the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 7, 3-5. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, before you get too excited, guys, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. This is whole submit to one another out of reverence for Christ stuff going on here, right? Verse 5 in 1 Corinthians 7, Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come back together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Ladies, I'm talking to you too now. It's not just the ladies that do this. Men and women do this. But if you withhold yourself from those conjugal things he's talking about, for any reason other than prayer and for a limited time, you're leading your spouse into temptation and possibly sin. Write that down. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5. Read the whole thing. He's talking to the church that is so messed up. Do not withhold yourselves from one another. You want your spouse to love you well and to treat you well and to not linger after others, whether it's emotional or physical or just in the heart. You don't want things to happen. Give yourself to them out of love for one another just as Jesus has given himself for us. It's about as PG-13 as I'm going to get. Guys, be a one-woman man emotionally too. Don't give in to your anger. Oh, how we give in to our anger. Oh, how we hold on to our rights and how we shouldn't be treated a certain way. Thank you, Jesus. You did not do that with us. Let us carve out time to engage at the heart level and be real and honest, but not to live in the anger. We need to be present with one another. This is a lifelong commitment that is not dependent on her faithfulness. Sisters, it's not dependent on his faithfulness. It's not dependent on our wives submitting to us. It's not dependent on her loving you, brothers. It's not dependent on any of that stuff. 
It's only dependent on Jesus. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's what it's dependent upon. Jesus is still faithful, by the way. I said it before, let me say it again. His active love for us did not end on the cross. He loved the church, and he still loves the church, and he still loves this church, and he loves everybody in this room, everybody who could ever become his. He loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad it has been, no matter how horrible you think it is, no matter how unforgivable you think it is, Jesus went to the cross for you, and he wants you to believe in him and to repent of your sin so you can find healing and wholeness. You will not find that anywhere else. And if you are hiding sin in your life, here comes the big one. If you're hiding sin in your life from your spouse, you sure aren't hiding it from God. If you're hiding it from your spouse, today is the day to repent and confess and walk in the truth with her or him so that you may know that Satan cannot have a foothold in your marriage. And you may think it will destroy my marriage. I'm here to tell you that by the grace of God, it might restore and even magnify the glory of your marriage if you walk in the grace of the gospel. So if you're hiding the stuff you're looking at on the internet, or if you're hiding that emotional relationship you've been having with somebody else, if you're hiding that you've been doing things behind closed doors, today's the day you need to repent. Now, I'm not trying to convict you, but if the Holy Spirit's convicting you, you best be leaning into it and living in the gospel. Even if you've gone astray, even if you've never committed yourself to Jesus, know that he died for you, and today is the day of redemption and restoration for you if you put your hope in Jesus. Jesus is saying to you today, I love you to death. All right, take a breath. Turn to your spouse, say, I love you to death. Ladies, you do it too. It's easier for the ladies. They don't have any trouble with it. The guys are like, I love you to death, you know. <laughs> Enunciate, slow down. Lastly, this thing, and we'll stop. I know we're going a little bit into this here. Let me just move into this, okay? If you really want to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, listen to these words. Enjoy her. Delight in her. Adore her. Go back to the things that led you to her. Ask God to remind you of her beauty inside and out. You know, some people struggle. I, I meet with a lot of people. I do a lot of counseling. And some come to me and they say, I just, I just don't love her or him the way I used to. They don't look the same. They don't talk the same. They don't act the same. They, they, don't, they just don't meet those criteria, you know. And there's, there's, I have a hard time looking at her or him. I have a hard time being attracted to them. And they always think it's just because they've fallen out of love and because they just, they have somebody doesn't look the same or act the same or they're not totally the same as they used to be. But the truth of the matter is what we have done in those moments is we've taken the one that's supposed to be the only one in our lives in this way. And we began to let others sneak into that room to sneak into our bed, to sneak into our needs. We haven't protected the marriage. 
When you commit yourself to your spouse, guys, you commit yourself to your wife, that means you are saying that's the only woman for you. Everybody falls into one of three categories. They are your daughter in Christ if they're a woman, guys. They are your sister in Christ. That's gross if it's anything more than sister. And they are your wife if they have been given to you in that way in Christ. And that's the only one. And when she is the only one, when she becomes the bar set for beauty, the bar set for excitement, the bar set for, for joy, the bar set for, for humor, the bar set for intellectual engagement, the bar set for just fun. When she becomes the bar for that, there's no falling out of love. She's the only one that turns on your fancy. She's the only one that lights you up. You are waiting to get home to see her. The problem is not her. The problem is us. So let us enjoy her, brothers and sisters. You know what Jesus did? Jesus went to the cross and he finished the work. He said it in his last breath. It is finished. And when he finished the work on the cross, he died. And they laid him in the tomb. And three days later, he rose again. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't just run off. Done. Preparing a place. You know what he did? He came back and spent time with his brothers and sisters, his bride. He spent time with her. Because he loved her and he enjoyed her. And he will enjoy us for the rest of eternity. So let us lean into engaging with our wives, spending time with our wives, learning her. You may say, well, she doesn't like what I like. She doesn't like golf. I don't care. What does she like? You're dead. Remember? You don't have likes anymore if it leads you away from the wife. <laughs> you can have some fun things to do. What does she like to do? Lean into those things. Love her for who she is, not for what she does or who she could be. Love her for what you can give to her, not because of what you get out of her. One last quote, and then we're going to end it. Spurgeon says later on in that same sermon that I quoted earlier, he says, Jesus loves the church. Listen, guys, listen close. Jesus loves the church not for what comes to him from her or with her, but Jesus loves the church for what he is able to bestow upon her. Did you hear that? He loves his bride for what he's able to give to her. That's why he loves us. He needed nothing from us. He's not happier because of us. He's not filled with more joy because we bring him that joy and he was absent of it. He loves us because he wanted to bestow his love upon us. Oh, that we would love our wives like Christ has loved the church and given himself up for her. Man, I'm praying for you. Ladies, pray for us. And men, every day, let us turn to our wives and say, I love you to death. Try it again, one more time. Say it. And let that be our mantra as we point our wives and our hearts and everyone we know to Jesus, who's loved us to death. Father, we are in much need of your grace and mercy now. We've spent significant time in your word this morning, even though it was just one verse. It is so deep. There's so many pieces. You know what we need. You know how we are struggling in our own lives. I pray now that you would bolster the faith of the men and women in this church, that you would give the men a desire to not be great, but to become a servant, even to the point of death daily and how they serve their wives and how we serve our bride. 
And Lord, anytime we struggle, I pray your spirit would convict us and yank our heads around to see your son, Jesus, on the cross and what that means for us, that we might be with you and enjoy you and revel in your glory so that we can love our wives like you have loved us. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helps you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to make apprentices of Jesus by being a family for families.